Let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who grants us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this short confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in this stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. In him is salvation, life, and resurrection from the dead. By him we are redeemed and set at liberty. your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all the nations. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth be at him. Glory be it from me to boast, 
except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. The Precious Lord, redemption's love, where He by whom our flesh was made, our ransom in His flesh has paid. The Lord be with you. wondrous sacrament that you have left us as a remembrance of your passion grant that we may so receive the sacred mystery of thy body and blood that the fruits of thy redemption may continually be manifest in us for you live and reign with the father and the holy spirit one god now and forever The Old Testament lesson for Monday, Thursday is written in the 12th chapter of the second book of Moses, commonly called the Exodus, beginning at the first verse. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this is the month that shall be to you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to, the, to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat. And he shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. And you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood you shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt, this day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. 
throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. The epistle lesson is written in the 11th chapter of St. Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth beginning at the 23rd verse. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man so examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body and blood eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. My flesh is food and my blood is drink indeed. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Gospels written in the 13th chapter of St. John, beginning at the first verse. Glory be to Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that, his, that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and girded himself with a towel. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. 
he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing now you do not know, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Simon said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he is clean all over. You are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew it, who it was who would betray him. That was why he said, You are not all clean. And when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me Lord and teacher, and you are right, for so am I. But if I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. How, how one uses water is literally a matter of life and death. There's a place out in New Mexico called Chaco Canyon. Some of you may have been there. I never have, but I know people that have been there. And it's really an amazing place. It's like a city uh, that they think existed between 850 BC to around 1220, 1250 Anno Domine, you know, the current era we're in right now. And it, it, it is an amazing place because even though it's in a desert, the New Mexico desert, the, 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 the canyon, because it gets a lot of runoff and, and, the, and the water comes across the canyon floor, it would have had, had a very high water table. And so when people started moving in there, they figured out that they could actually grow crops 
because the water was so close to the surface and the runoff all kind of collected there and, and broadly kept that whole valley very, very fertile. That was until the Anasazi, the people that were supposedly lived there, began to cut channels for more irrigation. And then when the runoff occurred, it began to cut these gullies and that dropped the water level below the fields. And the crops started failing and then people started starving to death. And then eventually the culture just, what was left of it just, it just went away. Nobody knows where it went. It was gone. How, how you manage your water literally is a matter of life and death in the physical world. And that's also true. We also see that in our lesson in, in, our, in, our, in, in, in Exodus as well, during the Exodus period, where Israel in Exodus 15, 23, came to the waters of Mara, And they could not drink the water because it was salt water. They could not drink it. And so they cried out to the Lord, complained to the Lord. And the Lord told Moses to throw a certain tree into the water, and then the waters became sweet. There was another time when God commanded Moses to, to strike the rock, and the rock, from the rock came pouring forth this wonderful sweet water that then followed Israel for, for its entire time in the desert. They had fresh, drinkable water, and that's essential for life. In the desert, you have to have water or you'll die. In fact, you have to have at least probably one gallon per person per day to, just, to, just to exist, just to survive. And you really need more than two or three if you're going to cook food or wash or anything like that. And, and washing is what today's gospel lesson is about. That's what the Monday Thursday lesson really focuses on. The epistle talks about the Lord's Supper, which it was on this night as well that the Lord instituted. But the, the, the Monday Thursday lesson historically, in historic one-year series, deals with the washing of feet by Jesus. In other words, how you use water. And he seems to connect this with the outcome for your immortal soul. Somehow our immortal soul is connected to water. We, we know this earlier with baptism. Because earlier in baptism in John 3, verse 5, Nicodemus is told that unless you were born again of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. Absolutely. And here, what does Jesus do? After the Lord's Supper, after, not before, but after, what does he do? He poured water into a basin began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe it with a towel with which he was girded. And then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, you are not to wash my feet. And Jesus answered him. He said, what I am doing you not, do not now understand, but you will know, know after this. And Peter then said to him, well, you shall never wash my feet. And then Jesus answered. He said, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part in me. He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but it's completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, because he knew who was going to betray him. The point here, though, is that he's got to be washed. His feet have to be washed, but the rest of him is clean. And it's interesting because the word he uses here for, for this washing is not the word that's used for baptism. See, there's three words used in the New Testament that mean wash. There's baptizo, which is what happened to Jesus when he was baptized in the, um, in the Jordan River. He was washed in the river. He was, he was baptized, he was washed. And that's the common word that's usually used by the scriptures. Baptizo means to wash. And it's also connected directly to baptism. The second word is, is katharu. And katharus, katharus is from which we get the English word catharsis. Sort of, sort of a, and usually it's connected to suffering. Like you wa you're washed through suffering. You're purified through as fire. You know, you go through a difficult thing and God washes you through that. But here it's a different word. It's the word nipku. 
means to wash. And it means normally to wash partially, not to wash all of a thing. And it's usually referred to like with, with running water. So you wash something with running water and you partially wash it. It's connected directly in the ancient world, the Old Testament world, to the need to be ritually pure before you approach God. So in the ancient world, both the Hebrews and the non-Hebrew Gentiles, they all believed that you needed to be ritually pure before you could approach the deity, before you could approach God. And we see this reflected in Exodus 30, verses 18 and 19, where God commands, you shall make a laver of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord. And they shall wash with water, lest they die. So they shall wash their hands and their feet. Literally referring to the liturgical service of the priest. They are to wash their hands and their feet, lest they die. Think of that. And then the rabbinical law extended this idea, this rule to requiring the washing of your hands before meals. This whole idea of washing your hands before meals comes from the rabbis. Absolutely. And then now in the New Testament, in our gospel lesson for Monday Thursday, what does Jesus do? He literally gets on his hands and knees and washes the filthy feet of his disciples. Now, why does he do this? Why? You know, there, there, is, a there is a symbolic significance uh, that certainly relates to Christ's death cleansing us from sins, which is baptism. And yet it's more than that, isn't it? Because Jesus says you are already clean. You just need your feet washed. You just need your feet nip-toed. So what really is Jesus referring to here? What does this foot washing by Jesus symbolize? Well, I think it symbolizes actually two things. Maybe more, but I'm just going to point out two things that I think certainly are here. The first thing I think is, 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 is humility. Baptismal humility. See, as a Christian, we should be humble towards each other. Because, well, by the grace of God, there go I. I mean, we, we are only baptized because Christ had, it, had us baptized. You know, we are in Christ because of what he has done for us in baptism. He gives us everything. And so we're clean because we're in Christ. And yet, and yet also, that baptismal forgiveness that Christ gives us is related to Christian forgiveness. The act of forgiving others as Christ has forgiven us. Right? So by Jesus washing the disciples' feet, I think he's illustrating how he, his forgiveness of our sins must now be applied to each other by us. By us. And so we go, we, we're, our sins are forgiven by Christ in baptism, and now and we taste and see that forgiveness in the Lord's Supper, and then we are to leave this place and forgive each other, and forgive those around us. And that's why Jesus washes his disciples' feet, because in doing so, he's doing something that not even a slave in the ancient Roman world was required to do. He's literally abasing himself. He's enduring humiliation. Why? Because he's giving up voluntarily his right to revenge. Right? Because when somebody wrongs us, we have a right to revenge, do we not? To avenge ourselves on them. Right? I mean, it, that, we see this in the Torah. You have the avenger of blood, the goyel, the redeemer of blood, who goes and takes vengeance for somebody, somebody else's family member's death. But here Christ is relinquishing that. He's giving up his right to retaliation, instead washing the disciples' feet. Because really, the feet represents what we do in life that, that is against God. That's, it's the filth that we cover ourselves, our feet especially in. And I think Peter understands this. That's the reason why Peter won't stand for it. He's like, you're not going to wash my feet. 
You know, we need to be washing your feet, in other words. We, we, we owe you. We owe you that, that obedience. You, you, you shouldn't, you know, we, we're the ones that should be giving you legitimate service and legitimate humiliation and le- legitimate worship. You don't, you're not, it's not the other way around. And while that is true, he's not wrong, Jesus chooses to give up that right of service to serve us. In fact, that's the reason why in German, this, this service, this, this service, the service of the Lord's Supper is called the Hauptgottesdienst, the greatest servant of, service of God to us. Yes, he himself serves and cleans his disciples. And by doing so, he's teaching us how we must treat each other. Because Jesus makes it very clear in several places in the Gospels. Like in, God, like in Mark 11, he says that if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who art in heaven forgive you your trespasses. And then in Matthew 6, 14, Jesus says, For if you do not forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. And so we are to emulate Jesus' example by forgiving each other. And that's what the foot washing, I believe, represents. The humble, the humbling of ourselves voluntarily and voluntarily relinquishing our right of revenge and retaliation so that we might erase the debts of our enemies and our friends so that Christ might erase our debts. Forgive us our debtors as we forgive those who are indebted against us. It's another way of saying the Lord's Prayer, right? Like that's the preferred way in, in Luther's order of baptism. Right. Therefore, this scene of Christ on his knees, washing filth from, from, from people's feet, reminds us that we must forgive others, no matter how repugnant, no matter how much we don't want to. And honestly, we don't want to. We don't. We don't. But we must do this for two essential reasons. Because we must learn Jesus' humility. And secondly, we must emulate his willingness to forgive. It's in our best interest. By not forgiving each other, we only condemn ourselves to hell. And who wants to go to hell? I don't. Because the unforgiven, that's the only place they go when they die. It's not to heaven. Because in washing the disciples' feet, Jesus demonstrates once for all that the Son of Man was the servant of men. And whatsoever was arrogant, assertive, dogmatic, or demagogic belonged to the gospel of power. Not the gospel of love, not Jesus' gospel. That humanity is not just virtuous, but the very condition of all virtue is found in abasing ourselves. Men attain the highest heights through abasement. But when they try to glorify themselves, they sink to the lowest depths. One of Jesus' greatest gifts to the world was was to release a tidal wave of humility and love flowing through the world against the devil's contrary tide of self-assertion and self-love. And Mugridge is right, I think, when he says that. Because we wondrously taste and see the tidal wave of Jesus Christ's love, love and, and, hum, and humility when we come to the altar to eat his body and drink his blood given to us under the veils of bread and wine, to, to eat and drink and know our forgiveness. Wonderful. That's the tidal wave of Christ's love and humility because he humbled himself and taken upon himself the form of a slave and, and considered even death, death on the cross to be something he was willing to endure. And we taste that sweet tidal wave of humility and love when we come to Christ's altar to eat his body and drink his blood in his holy supper. In his holy supper there, we taste the humility and the love of Christ. 
And then when we leave that supper, we are to take that humility and that love into the world and demonstrate what Christ has given us as we forgive each other. In the name of Jesus, amen. Gifts to serve on altar in the preaching of thy holy word. In your name, O Lord, we pray. Amen. Wonderful blessing to see you here this morning for the first service for Monday Thursday. Of course, tonight um, we, we, we will have the stripping of the altars in the evening if you want to come back to that. Certainly welcome as well. Um, tomorrow we'll have services for, for Good Friday at 11. And seven, and then also on Saturday the vigil is at seven p.m. And then of course Easter normal service time seven thirty, and then ten, and then at Concordia at noon. Um, there, um, I this note was from Sunday. I think it was missed. Um, Easter baskets or the Easter breakfast casserole sign up sheet is up in the back. We still need several uh, breakfast casseroles for Easter. And I know Concordia was selling Easter baskets. Do we have uh, Miss Dale? Is there? Um, uh, do we, can we can we still order those or is that done? That's done. Okay. So if you've ordered them, you're getting it. If you haven't, okay. Okay. Just wanted to ask you. Thank you. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. In peace, let us pray to the Lord for the pieces from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and for the godly unity of all Christendom. Let us pray to the Lord. 
for this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise. Let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For our nation, all our people, for our Congress and President, our Governor and Legislature, our Judges and Magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, especially we pray this day for the family of Pastor uh, Gene Lauterbach, uh, who has died in Indianapolis, we pray for his family. We also pray for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of a right, devout, and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ's holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. Recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may, we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead, let us pray to the Lord. We pray especially this day for uh, the family of, of Pastor uh, Gene Lauterbach. Lord God, Heavenly Father, have compassion upon all who mourn, all who are lonely and desolate because of the death of Pastor Lauterbach. Be thou their comforter and friend, and give unto them such earthly solace as thou seekest to be best for them, and bring them to a full knowledge of thy love, and wipe away all their tears. For the sake of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. 